just want to welcome uh, all of us again for our Thursday Bible study and just to inform you that um, myself and my family we are okay we are grateful to God for his protection and his provisions we totally are grateful um, this has been a very interesting time for all of us but um, apparently it doesn't take too long before you start getting um, a handle on how to go about stuff and um, I think we are kind of learning to go through the motions um, however you know um, difficult initially that may have been now um, last uh, Thursday I touched on something which necessitated um, um, our Bible study on Sunday okay so I was talking about um, so in passing we talked about a move of God and used the analogy of a, a, a normal bath eh, or the bath of a baby and um, we talked about um, in the process of a pregnancy prior to the bathing of the baby and you remember the whole issue initially was how we can be able to you know bath God's um, you know visions for our lives and bath the dreams which uh, God puts in our hearts and our lives so we talked about um, that in the process of uh, bath that uh, the 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 baby turns around okay so the baby is in a seated kind of position and then the baby turns so that the head now looks um, you know uh, down and um, we were calling that um, repentance turning around we were calling that repentance if you remember um, then we say that the pregnancy uh, descends, the baby descends and those who are professional um, or women who have been around these issues for a while will tell you that uh, so and so is about to give birth because they can tell the place uh, where the pregnancy was, now it has descended. So, he, you know, the baby will be coming uh, very soon. Then we also say that um, in the process of birth, the head normally uh, should come first. They call that process crowning. And we say that, um, and, and I'm sorry, I don't think I mentioned the the significance of descent. We call the descending, um, you know, humility. We say that that um, humility is so important if we're going to to bath any true move of God. Um, now, the, the crowning, which is the head coming out first, we say that um, Christ is the head of the church, and that means that um, he must come out first. He must be seen to take preeminence of everything. Now, that now necessitated us to grow that um, Bible study sharing to a full-blown uh, Bible study um, uh, you know, talk that we had on Sunday. If you remember, we were building from that, talking about what is a move of God and what um, does it entail. And in the process of doing that, we did something similar, what we're calling um, a system of evaluation. And we came up with another four, okay? I don't want to call them another. You know, we kind of grew it slightly and came up with, an, with, with, with these four items that we said are essential if we're going to validate, evaluate, examine, uh, a true move of God. And uh, quickly, we talked about um, a true move of God has what we call emphasis on repentance. Either it is John the Baptist, who was the uh, center of our conversation in the previous Bible study, whom Jesus said is the, um, what you may call the quintessential, the classical, you know, prophet. Jesus said, Jesus said, 
And this is a tremendous resume. Uh, resume. Jesus said, of all the prophets born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest. I mean, you do not get a better commendation from a better man. Okay? Christ himself said it. So emphasis on repentance. John the Baptist's first words were repent. You know, John the Baptist's kind of central message, if you look at it through and through, is that whole idea of turning around, change your way, change your thinking, which we call repentance. I'm saying this because I want us to be able to grow this a little uh, further today. Uh, then we said number two, uh, a, a true move of God uh, has what we call respect of scriptures. The respect for scriptures. I think that that's a better way of putting it. That is, we have to place the word of God in a very high pedestal. And there is no two way about it. There's no two way about it. There is absolutely no two way about it. The word of God, according to scripture, I believe it is Psalm 138, the Bible says that God has exalted his word more than all his names. I mean, God's word is so fundamental for the believer that it is surprising, it is shocking, and I believe shameful that uh, we pay very little regard on, on the same. We emphasize on all the other things which are good. But I think in terms of rank, rank and place, the word of God takes first place and first rank amongst everything or above everything else. I don't want to repeat that. I'm not saying the rest of the things are not important. Prayer is important. Fellowship is important. Fasting and all those other things. All the other disciplines are very, very important. But it is my personal conviction, both in study and in exposure, with my interaction with the spiritual um, uh, 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 things, that God's word, God's word, is first in rank and first in place. In the beginning, God. Okay? In the beginning, God. And we know that when we read it from first John, no, sorry, if we read that from John chapter one, it says that um that um in the beginning, God he created, he brought about the what there was the word. Okay. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the same was with God. Nothing was made without Him. All things were made through Him. The Word became flesh. So, at the very beginning, God's Word must take absolute highest premium. I, I, I wish I had... I could talk about this because it is it, it kind of really is a very strong part of what I believe. Uh, the other three thing which you said, the number three thing which you said, so we have emphasis on repentance, we have respect for scriptures, and then we have love for one another. While we were saying, Jesus speaking, he said, by this shall all men know. And you know, the love message was probably, I mean, not probably, the, word, the love message is the is the is the heartbeat of the gospel okay um love for one another by this shall all men know you my disciples and if i may repeat the example i gave i said how does one know that somebody is a kenyan it's not by the height of their skin you know color or texture of their hair or whatever it is i mean because all those things you know are so similar with anybody else from any other part of the world you know you know it by an identity so when jesus is saying by this shall men know you're my disciples he's simply saying that love is our kingdom identity and and that needs to be said you know, very, very strongly. The number four thing which we said is glorification of Christ. And this we're saying is a system that we can use to evaluate or to validate, to examine, to scrutinize what a true move of God should look like. Emphasis on repentance, respect for scriptures, love for one another, glorification of Christ. Now, how I want us to move, you know, within the same general, you know, parameters is move away from John the Baptist who essentially came to set the pace for the person 
of Christ. Okay. And just cut the chase and go to the person. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 move away from the intermediary. Let's move away from the from the guy who we spent time talking about, whose job essentially was to glorify Christ, point people to Christ. Let's go to Christ. Let's look at how he goes about um, doing the work of God because he is, as it were, uh, he is the perfect example. Thank God for the John the Baptist of this world. There's a lot we can glean and we can learn, you know, from. But I think if we want to um, just cut the chase and uh, cut to the chase rather and go straight to the person himself, um, that would do us much, much, much better. Okay. Now, there's a wonderful uh, portion of scripture in your free time. I don't want to um, um, do a lot of reading right now, but I can quote it for you. If you read Mark chapter 4 from verse 37 to verse 41. So the story goes that Jesus put his disciples on a boat and they were moving from one place to another place and the sea became very tempestuous and uh, they were just about to drown. And the Bible says that Jesus slept uh, on that boat, you know, and the boat was being rocked all over the place. So the Bible says that when he, when he woke up, because they woke him up, actually, you know, they woke him up. Uh, the Bible says he spoke to the tempestuous sea and it came to a calm. And there's a statement there which I find very intriguing. The disciples said this amongst themselves, who is this man? Who is this man? You know, sometimes we imagine we know this man. But I think we, 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 it is important that we pay a little more attention to the person himself. We can talk about those who came to talk about him and everything else, but I think it's always good to deal with the man himself. Who is this man? Who is this Christ? And, that's, and I think that's what we'll, we'll be attempting to do. Of course, we don't have the time and the space to be able to, you know, exhaustively do this in the manner which we would uh, we would want. But I would like to read, now that I said I don't want to read, but I'd like to read um, Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I can quote it, but I think it will be important that we um, just hear it direct from the Bible, Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author, that is the beginning, and the finish of our faith. Then he says, Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, verse 3. This is very important, guys. For consider him, consider him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So there is a place in the Bible called considering Christ. And that's what we're attempting to do. Hopefully we shall be able to do this and do it well. We are looking at Jesus. Number one, I think it's important that we appreciate that um, we have what you may call a shared destiny, a shared heritage. That sounds quite... Um, uh, I mean, you need me, you know, little me has a shared inheritance with Christ. Yes. According to scripture, we know that um, we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. That should be Romans 8, 17, I believe it is. We are heirs of God and then joint heirs with Christ. Okay. In fact, the, 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 the Lord himself says something very powerful. He said, look, they have done this to your master. They will do it to you. In other words, what I've gone through, you will go through. Not in the exactitude of um, the event per se, but in uh, principle. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. Not in the exact manner in which they persecuted me, but you will be persecuted. In fact, we know from scripture, I believe it is 
second timothy yes it is chapter 3 verse 12 it says yea they that shall live a godly life will suffer persecution in other words if they've done this to me jesus speaking they will do it to you so there's a way in which the life of christ and our lives are similar in principle okay and and, and i'll look at one two three four things that we can begin to uh, compare with that i believe will help us be able to appreciate even further i put in my notes here that his journey is also our journey his journey is also our journey his journey is also our journey why we have a shared destiny okay um we have a shared inheritance with uh, christ we have a shared inheritance now moving to the my point uh, proper the number one thing i want us to consider remember what you read earlier consider him eh? let's consider his birth okay his birth um and try and compare that with the second birth because um, we come into in you know god's kingdom through the second birth which we call salvation now 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 the birth of christ attracted excitement in heaven you know we we talk about it when christmas period or christmas season is around the corner and we talk about how the angels were rejoicing and um, you know and there was sound and the shepherds were hearing it and it was all beautiful now think about it luke chapter 15 verse 7 and i believe i have that uh, in 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 i can get that for you from the bible luke 15 let me read for you luke 15 verse 5 is talking about how the um a man having a hundred sheep loses one goes for it and then finds it he says and when he has found it please follow he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing this is the process of salvation so when we were finally you know christ found us because salvation essentially and don't fight me for saying this uh, i believe i have scripture you know to back me up salvation is not you finding god really we we didn't find him salvation is god finding us okay salvation we didn't find him we, we were all of us like sheep had gone astray each one of us according to scripture had gone to their own ways okay it is a shepherd who went looking for the sheep so i want us to change our testimony when you're telling people in 1984 in my case you know maybe somebody 1990 i found jesus uh, tweak it a bit uh, remove i found him and say he found me okay because that is being more strictly uh, speaking correct okay it says here when he found it he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing that's salvation now if you read on it says and when he cometh home he called together his friends and neighbors saying unto them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep which was lost i said to you and this is my interest scripture i said to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven hear this over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just person which need no repentance and i think the same is repeated in verse 10 likewise i say unto you there is joy in the presence of the angel in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner that repenteth now that sounds familiar with the birth of christ okay now 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 there is singing and there is rejoicing and we have all i don't think i'm telling you anything which is new really let me tell you what we preachers haven't told you that the birth of christ attracted what you may call mixed reactions while the angels were singing and rejoicing and heaven was abuzz with excitement hell also was reverberating with absolute fury and anger now this is what we didn't tell you 
that at the point when you got born again and Christ found you, it was both a moment of tremendous rejoicing, but it was also a moment when you became a marked man or woman. You know what I mean by marked man? Satan marked you out for absolute uh, persecution. And that's what happened with Jesus. You know the story? I mean, Joseph and Mary, I mean, they didn't see it coming. I mean, one moment people are coming, you know, with um, frankincense and mire and uh, they are worshipping the, the, the child. And the next moment, Herod is breathing fire, killing babies all over town, you know, trying to get to Jesus. And I want you to know that um, salvation brought those two dimensions. I put in my notes that um, salvation is God's hidden wisdom. Um, it's God's hidden wisdom. Those that are wise, you know the wise men? The wise men? Those that are wise worship him. But salvation also brings with it okay, mixed bag of fortunes, mixed reactions. Heaven celebrates Hell um, breathes, <laughs> breathes fire. And for some of you, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's like, while on the one hand, there was, I mean, the joy was palpable. You would cut it with, with a razor. It was that thick. But also, it came with the same bag with a lot of persecution. And that persecution, for some of you, you're still going through it. You're suffering for his name. Bible says, don't think it's strange. Huh? That's what Peter says. Don't think it's strange because of the fiery trials that have come upon you. Then the Bible says, as though some strange thing has befallen you. There's nothing strange about it. You, you attracted heaven's delight, but you also attracted Hell's fury. Okay. Herod was murdering babies, as I put in my notes. And 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 but but the beautiful thing which I need to tell you here is that God provides a way of escape. And he provided a way of escape. You know the story. But I wanted to see that so that um, we can begin to appreciate um exactly where we uh, uh um we um we um we are within the context of our salvation. Okay, let's let's make it even much more natural. Okay, a few of us who are listening to me right now, those who will be listening to me later, um, have been uh, around a maternity ward, and a maternity ward is a very interesting place. You know, you know, you know. If if you ever were close to a labor ward where children have been birthed. So the women will be screaming in pain inside. And, and, and that's just the way it is. Children um, come with tremendous um, uh, pain. And outside at the lobby, people will be jumping up and down. I mean, I have been around this quite a bit. Um, Every time and again, I have to take maybe a neighbor to deliver a baby. We're always there. So you'll be hearing all these, you know, eerie, not very nice sounds, you know, coming from the labor world. But somebody also be getting some news. Uh, it's a baby boy or, or it's a baby girl. And so, so there, there are all these things happening in the same vicinity. And that's exactly what happens with um, um, uh, spiritual birth. It comes with it. And I put in my notes that persecution is a Christian inheritance and we should not be too um, um, concerned about it. Now, the second thing I want us to consider um, I need to move with after 24 minutes with this first one. The, the, the second thing that we want us to consider is what the Bible says in Luke 2.52. If I can just quote it, it says, Jesus grew. Huh? He, he increased. He grew in stature and in, uh, in wisdom and in favor with God and man. 
that word when you have time guys please i want you to underline that word you know like circle it jesus grew you're wondering i mean also more people people grow yeah think about it the fact that he was a son of god jesus developed jesus didn't pop up i don't know how to call that this one like popcorn he jesus didn't pop he grew it's a process apparently it's one of those moments of jesus life when very little is spoken about in scripture because really there's very little excitement i i there is nothing so fanciful to talk about development development is painful you, you, you follow um this this developmental stage prepared the man for what he became very little is said about it we've got bits and pieces which we can join the dots and we can tell how it all happened but in reality jesus went through the process guys jesus grew he grew in wisdom his wisdom was not imputed he didn't get wisdom through osmosis because was, we know from scripture that when they left him and they went to the temple to look for him you know they found him Bible says asking questions you understand interacting with the reservoirs of knowledge at of his day the doctors of the law and the people who had you know the positions of teachers he grew it's a painful process but it's a process that we all he he didn't pop bible doesn't say much about this period it's not a very exciting period it's it's a training period trainings are always you know training is always very very painful i was talking to my friend kilosh the other day is there something you know in you know you know kilosh just says all these very many wonderful things and sometimes i have to kind of like go you know you know you know hold up hold up i mean what did you just say and he, he said something he, he, he said and look he launched he's a trainer you know and a very good trainer for that he he, he said passi people don't develop muscles when they're training you know the fact your muscles are tearing when you're training people develop muscles when they now go back home and they're now resting Okay, so he says he, he, the whole idea was that the people who go to the gym and they want to see the muscles grow there. And he was saying, look, muscles don't grow when you're in the gym. And, 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 and it hit me that I didn't know that. You, you understand? The muscles will tear when you're training, but then they will form more stable, more stronger, more refined when you are now rested. But when you're going through the motions, they are tearing apart. Listen guys, I I can say a lot about this. Jesus grew in wisdom. His wisdom was not imputed. Jesus asked question. Jesus grew. He sought knowledge. He sought wisdom. If you read Luke 4:16, the Bible says that um, and he went to the temple up uh, that is after you know he'd been baptized by John the Baptist and now he has begun his ministry proper. Because he went back to the synagogue and Bible says he was given the book to read as scripture says and as it was his custom as it was his custom he was given the book to read friends how can i say this in a way that you'll understand it because i think we have done a terrible disservice to the saints globally we have talked about products without processes we've talked about success without the journeys We've talked about joy, we've talked about all these many wonderful things without telling people, my friend, you have you you will have to go through a process. It will not pop. Knowledge will not pop. He grew. He attended fellowships. That's how he grew. He grew. I mean, he was in favor with God and man. Huh? 
I, I was looking for the scripture and my father to get it for me. Proverbs 18.24, it says that a man that has friends must show himself friendly. So when the Bible says that he had favor with man, it means that Jesus was an amiable person in his interactions with people. If you're going to have friends, then you must show yourself to be friendly. You, you, you understand? Favor begets favor. Now, let me say that again. Favor begets favor. The person you favor, say with some money, for example, somebody comes and says, oh, I haven't paid my rent, I haven't done this. You know, The person you will be compelled to favor is somebody who has favored you or you know uh, they have shown every indication that um, they favor you. You do not take your hard-earned money and give to any fast, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry or Jack who you find out in the street just because somebody has a need. People have needs. How come we choose who we give or we share our resources with? Because favor begets favor. There are people that are, will not hesitate one moment Okay, to do a favor or to grant a favor if they were to seek that favor for the simple reason. For the simple reason. They have shown favor. So, so Jesus became friendly first. Okay, before, he, when the Bible talks about he grew in stature and he had favor with man and God, please understand that here is a man who understood social dynamics understood social interrelationships. He understood and had grown in that area. He had social um, um, uh, intelligence. He knew how to deal with people at whatever level those people were in. It's called development, my friend. It doesn't happen in a day. I mean, I hear people pray, oh God, I want you to give me favor with man. I mean, surely? I mean, really? Even God Himself, and I and and the scripture evades me now. Even God Himself only shows favor to those who show favor to Him. I, I think I can find it if I look for it. Um, I'll give you one which goes there very closely. If if you read Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, yes, it is, and read. 16. So it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought about upon his name. Listen to verse 17. They shall be mine. This is God speaking, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them. As a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Do you follow? Okay, it could have said, I will spare them as a man spares his son. But the Bible says, I will spare them as a man will spare his son who serves him. Do you remember the case of Cain and Abel? If you read that portion of scripture, Cain who, of course, got jealous because Abel's, um, you know, sacrifice was accepted. The Bible says, I like the King James, it says, if you do good, will you also not be accepted? Did, did, did you follow? God is not a respecter of persons granted. And you know that from scripture. God can bless anybody, but God is a respecter of principles. God is not a respecter of persons. God can bless anybody. But there's a reason why God goes to Abraham. The Bible says because Abraham must teach his children to do that which is right. That's what the Bible says. Clearly the Bible says, I'm going to this man because I found in him a man who is able to share, to teach. There's a reason why God goes to say, Noah. You, you, you follow? 
there's a reason why God would leave out so many people and go straight to David, a man after God's own heart. And the least, I mean, how many people do you know? Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm digressing too much on this one. Um, how many people do you know if their wife was taken, their children were taken by an enemy, and they are probably going to be enslaved? Think about it. And they are, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are listening to me. I think Lenny is listening to me. I mean, there are people who are, who are married listening to me. Paul is there. I mean, we are all in this relationship thing, married, children. I mean, think about it. How many people do you know if they came home one day, they were told, look, your children, your wife has been taken and they'll probably become sexual slaves where they're going. Will seek God. Should I pursue or not? You know, David is a one man. He was a master inquirer. Even when the wife, the wives were taken, his children were taken. Says, he still asked God, should I pursue? Think about it. It almost looks so. Is it? I mean, is there any reason why we need to inquire? There's a reason why God goes to some people. Okay? He may not be a respecter of persons, guys, but he is definitely a respecter of principles. Moving on quickly, and I'm afraid I've taken a bit of time on that one. Uh, number three. So, so, so I've said number two, he grew. That's it. He grew. He grew. It just didn't pop. Number three, he was affirmed by the Father. And this is to say, and I'll be quick on this one, those that we love, we must affirm. God spoke from heaven. Clearly, the people heard it because that, that was the whole intention. This is my beloved son. In him, I am well least. I want to gloss on this quickly because I think the point is clear. Affirm those that you love. I mean, Jesus is a son of God, but Jesus needed to hear that. And I can tell you, that did to him mighty good. I know we pray for our children and I know we pray for people and, and we do all these things, but I want you to go one better. And I mean it exactly in the manner which I've said it. Go one actually better. Say it before them and say it in public. Say it before them and say it in public. Nothing will build confidence. Nothing will build people's morale and morale is contagious. You know? You know, uh, there's a book uh, written by a guy called, uh, I forget his name, is he Robert Green? I can't remember. He, he wrote The Art of War. He, the, one of the other books which is written are the 33, 33 uh, principles or strategies of warfare. Okay? Uh, when you have time, please just go through it. I think they have serialized it in a central idea format uh, on the net. Yeah? They have a point there where the man says, when it comes to morale, there is, no, there is no debate. Can you imagine? And he talks about it. In warfare, in warfare, a person who is spreading um, negative energy. And he says, morale is so contagious that when they realize that somebody is spreading a negative energy in terms of morale, they will throw him overboard use the term loosely. I mean, they're going to cut you off. They're going to cut you off completely because they know how easy it is, how easy it is when morale goes down because somebody is instigating some negativity. Maybe saying, oh, we're all going to die. We're all going to lose. Believe you me, you're not going to win that battle. However much you are better trained. So however much Jesus is, quote-unquote, better trained, better prepared, he still needed that. Now, now, I need to say this. You build a culture, a way of life, by what you constantly affirm. Please, and, and I'm through with this point now, those that you love, affirm them. Could be a wife, could be a husband, could be children, could be church members, could be friends, whatever it is. If you love them, affirm them. 
Say it clearly and say it when people can hear. This is my beloved son. In him, I'm pleased. Okay? Say it. You build a culture by what you constantly affirm. Express it. Appreciate it. Because people are looking for it. People are dying for not getting it. People are looking for that sense of worth and significance from somebody who they value. Let me say this. And this is the the sad part of this, my number three point. If you don't affirm people that you love, I want you to know that you can bet your head on this one. Somebody else will. And the person who will do it well enough, they will follow. So, it, so, so, so when I say affirm that child, I want you to use this extremity of illustration. Imagine that a homosexual may grant them that affirmation, that worth and significance that you never gave them. And truth be told, and science is there to prove it. Social science is there to prove it. They will follow that guy. Check all the people, all the people who talk about how they ended up becoming gay. Somebody affirmed them. Who sadly should not have been the person to affirm them. Some of them give them, somebody give them value. Showed them value. Sadly, it just so happens to be a person that was gay. Do you feel what I'm saying? And that's why we have to do it. And we should never tire of doing it. Number four, and uh, we we'll try and finish with this one because of time. Jesus appointed as a matter of priority the 12. Now, what we don't uh, do very well, of course, we read that Jesus appointed 12 so that they can be his, um, they can take over from him and they can preach with him, which is true. But when you read Mark 3.14, the Bible says, he appointed the 12. I'm reading Mark 3.14. He appointed the 12. Then it says, that they might be with him. I, I never hear that being talked about. These are not just people who he wanted to use. You know, you know like, 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 like tools and items. No that they might be with him then it says and that he might send them forth to preach before they want to go and preach they want to be with him Jesus called them friends think about it John 15 15 he called them friends I had to go out of my way to look up for something which I had uh, done many years ago on friendship and if you may, just allow me to read uh, a couple of uh, qualities about, about friendship. It's something I preached way back. Uh, these are my notes probably of year 2000 because it just so happens my notebook is year 2000. A true friend is a person with whom you feel comfortable with. Okay, that cuts like half of the people you call friends. Okay, A true friend is an individual whose company you prefer over others you look forward you know there are people who when you're around them you, you're always defending yourself and you're always trying to it's like if you're swimming upstream you know it's so difficult you 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 feel like if you're working too hard you're working overtime just to try and keep peace with them a person who's or rather, an individual whose company you prefer over others. Number three, someone you can count on for support, encouragement, and out and out honesty. I like that last part of it. Somebody you can count on for support, okay? So there are people who are my friends who have done things you're not, I don't agree with. And, um, and I've told them, look, um, you're my friend. I don't agree with what you're doing, but um, I'm going to stand with you. Um, uh, and 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 I know there's 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 a way in which that man has, has a ring that I'll be honest and I'll tell you what you're doing is wrong out and out honesty. But look, 
That does not mean that I'm going to cut you off. No, no, you can call me at midnight. I will answer your call. You know, in case things go helter skelter, as I believe and I think they will, I will still be here to provide a shoulder. Okay. Someone you can count on for support, encouragement, and out and out honesty. And truth be told, people who are our good friends will do things that we don't agree with, but that does not mean that, as it were, that I will cut them off. You know, we will maintain our objectivity, but you know, we'll still provide for them um, an open door. A true friend is an individual who believes in you. I mean, really. Can you imagine somebody who doesn't believe in you? <laughs> you know, you know, and, and sometimes this is, you know, some of the things which happen in ministry people don't understand. I mean, there's absolutely no reason being in a ministry or in a group or whatever it is if you don't believe in what they're doing. I mean, just go where you believe in what they're doing because that's how it's supposed to be. Okay, a true friend is an individual who believes in you. Uh, you share some of your beliefs about your potential, your dreams, and your concerns. Somebody who you share some of your beliefs, you share your things to do with your dreams, things to do with your potential, and your concerns. Okay. When you hurt, H-U-R-T, they hurt. When you share your concerns and your heart, the pain is eased. Okay, so so, and this is important. So if I share my heart and my concern, I leave the place knowing that, by the way, I feel much, much more lighter. They give you safety and trust. They give you safety and trust. You know that what you share will stop right there, that it will never be used against you. You know, you know this is so important, you know, because you share all these deep-seated things which um, define you and some of them are, your deep secrets and you know that this thing is I mean I'm all like that I'm like that I mean if I know that what I share with you will become public knowledge tomorrow I mean believe you me I mean I would disconnect I mean quick fast and furious and that's it and, and that's going to be because friendship has a lot to do with who laughs at you a friend prays for you and, and that's my way of saying a friend wishes you well because that's what prayer really is a friend wishes you well a friend is someone you share your ideas your beliefs and I'm repeating some of the things which I've said earlier your philosophies with and you grow together intellectually uh, a friend stands by you in a time of difficulty and trouble while maintaining a level of objectivity. Keyword, maintaining a level of objectivity. In other words, I don't have to agree with my friends 100%. I mean, and we do not, okay? But um, a friend stands with you in a time of difficulty and trouble while maintaining a level of objectivity, okay? is a person with whom you can be yourself with. If you forget anything else, that one, please don't forget, guys. A friend is someone... I don't have to dress in a way to be around Lemmy, for example. The... When my friends, the, the solos of this world and many other wonderful people who are my good friend, Moas and all the other people who are my good friend, I'm just myself, okay? I'm not afraid to make a mistake or say something which I have to keep looking, or did I say it correctly? If you can identify that, then you're dealing with a friend indeed. A friend, again, I repeat, is someone you with whom you can be yourself with and you can be totally exposed and open. Finally, and this is the one I use a lot, a friend is someone who can see you at your worst and see you at your best and still love you the same. So Jesus appointed the 12. I want to finish by saying this. You need to identify your 12. 12 here is not um, a magical number. It's just a figure of speech. You need to identify your friends, people that are close to you. Because believe you me, you can never succeed in isolation. You can never succeed alone. Invest on people. Jesus asked these people, pray with me. Can you imagine? 
pray with me. The Son of God needed people to stand with him in prayer. Okay? It's, it's, it's important that we realize that we cannot be islands. We cannot, we cannot be, we cannot be islands and be successful. You 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 can't walk alone. I have to say that because I am an avid Liverpool fan and football is back in the scene. And you know, loyalty to football is in second to none. So um and this is the theme, the catchphrase of Liverpool. We shall not walk alone, okay? Can't walk alone. The 5,000 that you fed will walk and go. You, you understand? You feed them, they go. You feed them, they go. You don't see them. Be, be, be very careful. Don't get confused. With the 5,000, they will go home. But you'll be left with the 12. Allow me two minutes, please. Um, and I, I, I say one more. I, I can do two others, but I'll just say one more. Jesus said it is finished. Let me let me put it in a more fanciful way. He died. He finished. Jesus died. And please understand something. When I say Jesus died, I didn't say he was killed. <laughs> you understand? The, the Romans didn't kill him. His injuries didn't kill him. You know, even from a purely physical point of view. Uh, crucifixion as it happened then and has happened even and happens even now over Easter people rarely die in crucifixion you understand? People survive bullets I mean what a, you know, nails on people's, I mean people's even the ones who was crucified with, you know they had to come and break their bones to kill them you understand? I mean they were even shocked he died so soon Jesus died simply meaning that was the purpose why he came, he came to die okay his purpose was to die. He came to die. Jesus says it is finished. In other words, what we start, let's finish. Paul said, I have finished my race. I've kept the faith and I can go and go. Whatever you start, guys, you better start a few things if you have to. But whatever you start, finish. Whatever we start, finish. Let's not be experts in all these many things we want to do, but we are not finishing any. Please think upon the things which we have said. I think they are beautiful. If we can correlate them with our lives, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a very wonderful um, impact in our lives. If you can go to inculcate them and appropriate them in our day-to-day, God richly bless you. Thank you for your time.